Welcome to episode 200 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, for almost 200 episodes, Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Cassell. Wait a second. That makes it sound like Sharpley just like came in <laughs> at like episode 10. He's been here since the beginning. I've we've been all here. been here since the beginning. We've all been here since the beginning. We've all missed one or two episodes along the way. We haven't Bunch of been amateurs. on this journey together through 200 episodes. The three of us together, probably 195 episodes all together, but we have still put out Full episodes. 195. Full hearts. I feel is like big hopes, totally never undercutting lose. the 200. I know. Aspect. I mean, like, that's that's really saying. So, something. so in, in five more episodes, we can actually celebrate. No, we've been, we are 200 episodes strong. Uh, and we've, we've been killing it. 200 episodes. Uh, we had some Bambi legs early on. We got our footing. And, you know, we're, I, th- I think. We could be considered a podcast machine, something that you can set your set your clock to. Yeah, I mean, we're here every Monday night. Rain, snow, Sneet. penguin game or not, we're here doing. God, the pod. was this playoff year a fucking struggle? Every every Monday, fucking penguins. It was kind of fun though. I liked it. We would podcast and we'd go watch a playoff game. Yeah, now it's kind of empty afterwards. Yeah, it's weird. We have so much time. To now just we just watch a blank TV. Goof around. And we watch these candles. <laughs> if only the fans could see the candles. It's, uh, they are it's like dripping we're, like crazy. They're dripping. They're- it's like we're getting ready to sacrifice something. I don't know. To the podcast gods. I, 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 I think that should have been our goal for episode 200, uh, Human Sacrifice. We yeah. could have done it right on this uh, coffee table. We could have done that, but <laughs> but maybe maybe another time, huh? A lot maybe of ram- you- a lot of ramifications following murder. <laughs> even even if it's for a good cause, like the podcast gods. It is Monday night, June nineteenth. Here we are recording episode two hundred, and for the two hundredth time, Ian Sharpley is going to do housekeeping. Well, by your standards, maybe like 195, 94, <laughs> who knows? Anything to you know, I've, I've devalue got, the hard work of these podcasters. I've got here. some OCD issues that uh, need ironed out. For the next 100 episodes, I promise I'm going to start to work on them. Well, that's that's good to know. Uh, I'm those... going to make an appointment. I'm going to see somebody. Yeah, cool. I'm going to work some shit out. The self-help podcast, that's what we're going to do in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for now, this is the McSauce Comic Book Podcast, and you've been here with us for 200 episodes, so you know that McSauce.com is the place to find our webcomic that we've been doing since 2008. We have reviews. You can find the links to this podcast there. You can go and find us on Facebook. We have an Instagram. We each have our own Twitter handles. I think you all know that. We're going to jump into the meat of this episode. That's it? We're done? Housekeeping's yeah, we're done. Okay. we're done with housekeeping right now. We're going to just jump right in. What what makes 200 episodes? It's not just us showing up and talking to each other. It's really the fans. The fans are what make this podcast what it is. And they supplied, they helped us by supplying questions to the dealer's choice wheel. I love 
getting together with you guys and talking about comics and movies and TV shows, but it wouldn't be such an enriching experience if I didn't have people on the internet questioning my judgment about my own <laughs> likes and dislikes. And that's what makes this all the better is the fan community that we've generated, uh, the people that we've met throughout the last 200 episodes through the first uh, you know, launch of the SS McSauce. How long have we been doing that, by the way? 200 episodes. <sighs> Wasn't the first episode... Didn't uh, we didn't we start in 2013? Is that correct? It was March of 2013. Yeah. That's how long. It's what been, is it now, Ian? Um, it's 2017 June now, June of 2017. That's over four years of this stuff. Yes, a lot of things have changed. A lot of things have gotten better. Things have gotten worse. But we have been what's consistently gotten worse? Medi- mediocre. <laughs> but the fans' criticism has remained. Yes. Wait, what's gotten worse? Things, uh, um, I don't know, probably the ozone, right? It's oh, okay. gotten worse. Right? I thought you meant about us. About us? Well, we've gotten older. So That's I think true. our physical uh, showing up here every Monday night and drinking like a case of beer has taken a toll on myself and Paul and us also force feeding you shots. I don't Matt. know, man. I think I look good. Yeah? I think I'm I think feeling all, it. I, I think, think you're rotting this, on the inside. I think all this alcoholism is working in my favor. But yeah, probably not cool. on the inside. <laughs> I'm dying from the inside out. Yes. It's slow. It's going to be painful someday. But right now, I feel fantastic. Do you feel good enough to answer fan-submitted questions? Absolutely. I'm excited about this. We put the call out to McSauce Nation to supply us topics for the dealer's choice wheel. Uh, Colloquially, it is the dealy Chili wheelie. And McSauce Nation came through in spades they really hooked us up we got a lot of a lot of legit questions we got a lot of fun questions uh a lot of a lot of fun topics and i really hope um, we can dig into all of these yeah uh the questions have come from a variety of sources just fans that we've met along our travels at conventions and our travels on the internet people that we know our friends and family, ex-guest hosts of the show have provided questions. You so. know, for some of those uh, five episodes that we couldn't all be together. Yes, we've had some of our, our pinch hitters decided to weigh in on... on the, we, the, um, Paul, the, the AHL call-ups, if you will. Yeah, yeah. We, we went around a little bit about what we're going to do for episode 200... A milestone episode for us, and I think it's fitting that we landed on the Dealy Chili Wheelie because without the fans and the fan input, this wouldn't be such an enriching experience for all three of us. The fans have pulled our butts out of the fire many times by supplying us with great topics. So to include the listeners in the episode, that's what McSauce is about. Right. So why don't we roll out the Dealer's Choice Wheel, and Matt, let's give it our first spin. Or do do we want to? Paul, run- the wheel is here, buddy. Look yeah. at it; it's right next to do, me. Do we want to want to run down the the fan submitted questions first, as we do, so that the listening audience knows what they're going to get? So whenever we land on a name, they're like, "Oh shit, it's that question that they didn't want to a- answer because they groaned and griped about it." Whatever you want, buddy. This is how we do it, sir. So <laughs> we're going to go right into it. Matt Walker, 
previous guest host. What's your most memorable podcast moment for each of you? He says, I know that I'm a fairly new listener to the podcast. How dare you? You've actually been on the podcast, M-Dub. But <laughs> mine is easily the Godzilla bet. That For those who don't know, Matt and myself made a bet. I we'll foolishly, get into it. We'll, get yeah, into it. we'll get into it when we land on it. Dom Yossi, another guest host, and uh, <clears throat> more than a guest host, uh, yeah, big part of the McSauce Nation. Order of Hollywood Chris's, Hemsworth, Pine, Evans, and if there's time, fuck Mary Kill. Kenzie, boxers or briefs, pros and cons for the feminist listeners, thongs versus commando. Justin Carr, what comic have you read where the story was brilliant, but the art was shit? Justin also has a second question. If you had have a comic book story to tell, what would it be? Now, Justin asks this every time we roll the wheel out. He I really don't think just think he does. I feel like he does. I don't think he does. This is in your brain. Okay. Darcy, also a part of the McSauce comic book podcast crew, pinch hitter. What DC story do you want made into the movie, into a movie to save the DC universe? She has a second question. Predictions for the next graphic novel comic to be transferred to the big screen. Our friend Ethan. Current economic state of Greece. That's a fun one. But he also has a second question. (laughs) Would you rather go to drink orange juice and get milk? Or would you rather go to drink milk and get orange juice? Lauren, have the Pittsburgh Penguins secured a dynasty title? Kathleen, how does only one sock in a pair disappear from the dryer? Where does it go? Why doesn't the match go with it? Bunch of dryer sock nonsense is what we get from Mm -hmm. this one. Or not nonsense, magic and mystery. (laughs) Janine, which MCU characters, if any, do you think will bite the dust in the upcoming Infinity Wars? Larry Ganey of the Guest Room Podcast. What's your favorite sports movie? Eli um, asked about theater justice, where we cut the heads off of people that talk in the movie theaters. Asked to... uh, see what if we would expand theater justice to supermarkets, the office, comic shops, etc. And then finally, Matt Casal of this podcast parish asked if you could replace one member of the podcast, who would it be and who would you replace them with? So, without any further ado, I think we'll we'll spin the wheel, Matt. Do you have it? Uh I do. Okay. I am ready to spin. Here we go. All right. I I want the who would you replace person so much. Well, if the podcast gods are kind, maybe we'll get it. Oh look, it's Matt Casal. Wow, I didn't oh, I didn't think we'd get to that smoke. right away. Right off the bat. How about that? So, uh, Matt Casal, since you asked the question, why don't you answer the question? Well, that's kind of weird. Since I asked the question, you answer the question. Well, don't we all have to answer the question? 
I already have an answer. I'll go. Paul, you go. I would replace both of you with <clears throat> NHL hockey analysts, Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebrun, and turn this into the Mick Hockey Podcast. <laughs> Since they were they and Craig Custins were both unceremoniously uh, cut from the ESPN family earlier this year. I don't have a good hockey podcast to listen to anymore, and it's absolutely killing me. So on this wish list of if I could change the McSauce podcast, that's what I would change it into to get to get my legit, unbiased, down-the-middle hockey fill. Because you don't get that from TSN. You don't get it from uh, you know any Boston shows. I need unbiased hockey. So sorry, guys. No, that's okay. Ian, I would replace myself with Kevin Smith. I would have him sign an exclusive deal to bring all of his podcast followers to the McSauce Comic Book Podcast, and then I would also make any kind of financial gains that you got directly go to me as a silent partner. I don't think that's possible for you to be a silent partner. Oh, how dare are you saying that I'm too fucking talkative? Well, that's very noble of you. It's noble, but it's bull to just crap. To give, to give to the podcast community, to us, to be a team player, and bring in, uh, sacrificing yourself. 200 episodes strong, name. that's what I do. Nobility. <laughs> you're, uh, I, I think you're, you're the, we over 200 episodes. We can probably agree that you're the least, um, argumentative. acrimonious member. No, you're argumentative, but you don't incite, uh, the fury like Matt and I do. Matt and I have some polarizing opinions, that, but yeah, you're that, probably at most the voice of the people. The one that everyone can get behind. You don't say dumb things like Man of Steel is the best DC movie so far. That's true. I don't say dumb things like that. I say other dumb things and lots of them. Like Godzilla is not going to make any money. Oh boy, yes, yes. I think I, I think I said it wasn't going to make over ten million dollars. And boy, after what we've learned about the box office now, very foolish, very foolish. Boy, was that an eye-opening experience, learning about the box office. Matt, who are you going to replace? Well, um, who the hell did I just have in my head that I wanted to... Oh, I Joe would... Joe Rogan? No, no. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to... Mark Marin. I'm going to alternate, uh, you guys. It's going to be a rotating thing. What? And And uh, one week Ian will be out, um, and then the next Paul will be out. Because I think that you guys each bring, you know, your own special flavor to the the Mick sauce, if you will. Or Ian brings flavor. Uh. <laughs> Ian brings salt and pepper, actually. Oh, but, oh, that was worse than mine, you racist. Uh, times two. So, uh, is it because I said pepper? Is it? It was all of yes. it. Yes. <laughs> is it, so pepper. I would bring. Peppa the, is cultural. <laughs> I would bring the the McSauce patron saint of um well well he he's he's infamous in, in the McSauce circles. It's Rob Liefeld. Ah, he would be yes. a regular on this show. There, if there's one thing Rob Liefeld doesn't lack, it is energy, and he would bring it 
in in bushels full. I mean, this guy is uh, comic- pouches full, probably more. Pou- <laughs> Pouches full of excitement. <laughs> he, uh, I imagine that uh, that translating into the real world is pouches full of confetti. <laughs> <laughs> but since they're like the little ones, he just like like click 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 shh, just, <laughs> confetti. But I I feel like we talked about him so much. There's got to be a place for him at the table. Get a, a mic in front of him. I think he brings it. And, and I mean, we talked to him. He's just, he's got a lot to say and he says it fast. He says it with enthusiasm. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think he'd be maybe as controversial as a Eric Larson, but I think, I I don't think Rob Liefeld is afraid of letting his opinions be known. Like if Jeff Johns replaced one of us or if Brian Bendis replaced one of us, there would be a lot of towing the company line. Mm. But if yeah, Rob yeah. Liefeld came on... But what if the company your, line was the McSauce line? Wouldn't we like that? But he wouldn't. Well, uh, what can we offer Oh, I'm sorry. Rob was Liefeld? What can we offer Rob Liefeld a for him to, to just, tow the McSauce? The McSauce line is, be yourself. Yeah, I guess Say so. dumb stuff. Be an idiot. Yeah. Every Monday night, be an idiot on Mondays. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think Rob Liefeld could that's absolutely our, fill that hole. That's like our house. That's our house underneath our house sigil. Be an idiot on Mondays. That's what we do. Uh, Ian, do you want to spin the wheel? Yeah, sure. Why don't we do it, Matt? You want to help me with the with the wheel? Yeah, let me get up again. Get over here. Don't hurt yourself, though. I'm trying not to. Uh, this wheel is just... Unwieldy? <laughs> we need to Un- put some oil in it. Unwieldy. There we go, Matt. I knew you had it in there. Where's it going to land, Ian? Oh, shit. There it is. There it is. Uh, it's Janine. Which MCU character, if any, do you think will bite the dust in the upcoming Infinity Wars movie? Or movies, I guess. Oh, geez. I don't know if... Can they can they afford to have the big names bite the dust? I mean, can we kill... Can we kill... Um, What's Paul Rudd's character's Ant-Man. name? Man. What's his character's name? It's Scott. not was it Scott? Yeah, Scott. What? Uh, it's Scott, right? Yeah, it is. It's not Scott Snyder. It's not Scott. Right. As soon as I DC said Scott, books. then I lost it. We're dummies. Scott, talk amongst yourselves. We're the worst. Wait, Matt, you don't know this? Uh, no, I don't, not that one. Uh, well, I think maybe you can replace Scott Lang. Scott Lang. I think if we knew it all, the whole time. I think you can maybe kill Paul Rudd. I don't know why you would want to because he's so handsome and charismatic. But you can, in this current uh, female movies are the greatest movies, zeitgeist, you can kill Scott Lang and have Angeline Lilly replace him. Evangeline Lilly? That's her name, right? Who would she be? 
Oh, oh, the wasp. Yeah, uh, I was for fucking... some reason I was thinking because you were doing female zeitgeist, I thought you were doing Captain Marvel. Oh no, um, they've already set her up as being the wasp. Yeah, you're you're right. And the... Ant Man too. So maybe I, I see where you're going. They could kill Scott Lang. Ant Man two becomes Wasp one. So and it could still be her quest to but... go save um, Janet Van Dyne. To come, come and die three years later with uh, Martin Sheen's. What the fuck is that character's name? Michael Douglas. Michael du- No. Oh yeah, it is Michael Douglas. <laughs> Holy shit! I'm no, sorry. I the, if this uh, is no, your first time listening, who's the original Ant Man? What's his name? Who does Michael Hank Douglas? Pym. Pym. Hank Pym. Yeah, the Janet Van Dyne. Then save her from like the molecular verse and right. bring her back so they can he can she can die with Hank Pym because they're both about a thousand years old. Right. So your answer is is they're gonna kill Scott? Lang. Yeah, I'd say I'd say Scott Lang. Okay, and who who do you think? Well, I I had it locked in until last week because uh, <clears throat> Chris Evans' contract was up. So I and I thought oh, that that's a that's a boring way to do it. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, it was it's a logical Matt way to do it. Matt didn't think mine was boring, asshole. <laughs> well. I I guess my answer is just boring and keep stupid. that shit up. And Rob Liefeld's gonna be sitting I know, there, right? Now, I mean, like that's who that's who my guess would have been until they extended his contract last week. So I would say it would have to be him and a, him and his accountant sat down and looked at his books and were like, "Yo, you know how much money you can make if you stayed on this franchise?" And he was like, "Yeah, I guess I can do that." And shit like Snowpiercer. Yeah, I mean. I think that a lesser character that probably doesn't mean a whole ton to the Marvel Universe, you might get an early death of Hawkeye, or you might even get a Black Widow death or something like that, because I don't know if either of those actors are long for this universe, or the death of those characters would really have big ramifications. Right, right. They could even but you do need some... To... Go ahead. They could even do some kill Cap, bring him back yeah. at some point. They can do some, okay. uh, you know secret death stuff yeah some cosmic weirdo bullshit Mm. matt what do you think Uh, i think nebula is a really strong candidate to uh to bite the dust i don't see her lasting uh past the first movie there and yeah i think you called like in the first five minutes you think yeah well maybe not the first five minutes i mean you know if if the comic book is any indication Nebula gets the freaking Infinity Gauntlet. At but the some comic point. book isn't any indication. Well, None of the Marvel comic books have been much indication of what they're doing. Well, I mean, that's a pretty big part of it, though, is, is her getting the, the gauntlet. So I could see them going past that, not having her be involved in that part. But it, it, she just doesn't seem to be relevant to the greater story, given you know the importance of a lot of those like a list but do you think it would have the proper amount of shock value seeing that she was a villain for you know a movie and a half and fans Uh, might not be connected to her as much as i don't know i they'd probably have to play up the fact that it's thanos's daughter and then he just unmercifully kills her that might have some shock value but yeah i think she's uh as good as dead um outside of her Oh, you know what? To take it back from you real quick. Vision. Vision. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's he definitely dies because you got to rip the stone out of his head. Right. So, yeah, 
remember what Thanos did to Vision? And I'm sorry, Paul. I realize it's the comic book, but remember what he did to Vision in Infinity War number four or the Infinity Gauntlet number four? I don't remember, but refresh me. He he punches through Vision's chest and pulls out like all the wires Ugh. and stuff. I could just, see something like that. I am 100% okay killing Vision. No attachment to that character. I didn't think he was that great in Ultron. So, yeah, kill Vision. But as soon as Nebula dies, and there's no way she doesn't die in this movie, Matt, I think you're 100% correct. I'm going to ball my eyes out because I'm going to have no more reason to finish watching that movie. I'm going to cry. And then I'm going to walk out. Well, we'll hold you to it. Matt, spin the wheel. All right, here we go. Getting up. No, Matt, you should probably just stand by the wheel. Can you stand by the wheel? I can. The studios are so big, that's uncomfortable. Labyrinth, yeah, yeah. The labyrinth, labyrinth and team. Yeah, like, is that correct? Labyrinthian. Labyrinthian. Read where we landed. We landed on our good friend Larry Ganey of the Guest Room Podcast. What's your favorite sports movie? Now, Larry did have two other questions, but I feel like they were both trick questions. I feel like they were both aimed at me in different ways. I don't think they were. I think Larry <laughs> they, understands the tone of the of the McSauce podcast. He understands that sometimes uh, silly questions are Turn, turn into the best bits. Well, I'll explain what I mean by this, because Larry and I have a feud about drummers, because I apparently mocked drummers at some point in these 200 episodes. So any chance he gets on Twitter, drummer, drummer hijinks abound. Right. Larry also knows that I'm a big fan of presidents and history, so his questions were, who's your favorite drummer, or who is your favorite president? Larry also knows that I am... 100% disconnected from any kind of political talk. Right. So I guess so it the, is sort of like the who's your favorite you, president question may be a shot over my bow. True, but you also are a drummer and there's no way that I could name a drummer at all. Oh, so. really? Ah, I mean Patrick Wilson, I know. Him. Oh, it's a good one. Yeah. But anyway, his real question, what's your favorite sports movie? Matt, I feel like you're a good barometer of sports movies. Yeah, I I mean, there's only one answer to this. <laughs> <laughs> Shots Holy fired. shit, you arrogant fuck. It, I'm sorry, there's only one answer to this. The answer is Rocky. Rocky is the best sports movie of all time. Next segment. The, the answer, Next question. But no, the question isn't best, fuck. It's, 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 it's what's favorite. your favorite? Oh, it's Rocky. So okay. So all that arrogance <laughs> out the window. Paul, favorite sports movie? Uh, favorite sports movie. I I got this question earlier, and I've just I've, I've been mulling it over. I think my favorite sports movie's got to be Karate Kid Two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> it's okay. fucking awesome. Okay. Okay. It's so fucking good. Yeah, all right, I I don't even want to. Try to understand that one. Ian, what's your favorite sports no, movie? You don't fucking dismiss this asshole because you think you're like the perfect little cinephile. I'm gonna pick Rocky because Rocky's the best sports movie. No, it's your favorite sports movie, yep. not the best sports movie. Yeah, Rocky's Rocky's pretty f- much flawless. Just like 
What's your favorite shark movie? Jaws is unequivocally the best shark movie. Shallows hands down. Is pretty good. It may not right, but it may not be Shallows people's sucked. favorite. I didn't see either of them. I don't know. But it may not be people's favorite movie. We're talking about favorite movie. And favorite movie, if I'm gonna pick a sports movie, I'm gonna pick Karate Kid 2. Okay. It's My got fa- threatening villains. Oh, okay. It's got a great Peter Cetera <laughs> theme in the middle of it. It's got super sexy love interest. And it, it it maintains all the themes of, you know, the teacher and student Pat Morita Ralph uh Macchio through from the first movie. It brings it all through to the second. Sure does. It it also has the fish out of water theme of the American and Okinawa. It's fucking great. You got father son dynamics with Sato and Chosen. It's 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 the best movie ever. That's hyperbole. It's a really good movie. I love Karate Kid too. I love it. It's got drum punching. It does. Did you see that? It does. Unblockable. Best, best drummer, Daniel LaRusso. That's right. And the Karate Kid too. <laughs> That's gonna do it for us tonight, folks. Ian, go. How can I follow that up? Well, you can't. Next question. Spin the wheel. Matt, I do agree partially with what you said, Rocky, but my favorite Rocky, my favorite sports movie is Rocky Four. It's got <laughs> Ivan Drago. It's got the ups and downs. Yes. It, it's it's yes. got the death of Apollo Creed. Yes. It's got the best training montage. You you have the hands down. The high tech of Ivan Drago's steroid-induced, almost cybernetic training. And Rocky pulling dead bulls behind him in the snow. With his fucking teeth? Russia. (laughs) Do you realize that Karate Kid 2 and Rocky 4 are almost the same The same same movie, only... Because only they follow mine, the rules. Only mine also has Rocky, so I win because I merged <laughs> your two fucking stupid answers into the perfect answer. Spin the wheel. <laughs> Matt Walker, best McSauce moment right now. That was it. <laughs> I've been friends with Ian for like a billion years. That was the funniest thing he ever said. <laughs> Matt, just move that thing out of the way while you're walking Matt, over you're to the... Matt, you're the fucking worst. I know, the fucking I know. Wheel spin. Will you just relax I see your second. fingers sliding off the fucking knobs. Your sweaty fingers. Just Are you nervous? Is that because you're Italian? Greasy I'm very fingers. nervous. Oh my I'm God. Greasy very fingers. nervous. Holy shit. You're just sweating olive oil over there. <laughs> Super nervous. How many times has he spun this wheel? We've Zero. done this gimmick like a million times. Zero. Every time that we run out of ideas for a topic. Oh, that's not fair. That's true, though. All right, we have Kathleen's question. How does only one sock in a pair disappear in the dryer? Where does the other one go? How come the match doesn't go with it? Like I said, this is a heavy into the magical, mystical realm of sock science. I don't know. That's a really good question. I think part of it is you guys probably don't do what I do, but I have like two different sock drawers. I have one that has my white socks in it, and then I got another drawer with like my darker socks. 
It, you don't Segregation. Do you do yes, that. I do. I do that too, though. Oh, okay. I've got play socks and dress socks. Right. Like play socks. And I think maybe what happens sometimes with me is one of those socks that's kind of gray. It's not white. It's not black. It's kind of in between. I have one in one drawer and one in the other, but I'm too stupid and lazy. It's like that memory game where like you flip the cards and you know, like you have to remember like where they were when you flipped them and you never remember where the other sock actually was. You're like, well, did I leave it? Cause I do my laundry at my parents it's or like here sometimes. It's card Paul. Monty with socks. Yeah. Sometimes like I'm like, oh, I think I left it at, at, my parents and I don't check the other drawer, yeah. but then like I go to get a white pair of socks and there it is in the drawer. And then I remember at that moment, but I don't need that sock right then. Do you know what I mean? Um, no. Well, don't worry about it. Listen back. I think it'll make sense. Okay. Just play it at half speed. <laughs> I, I wish I had a good answer for this. I've only recently been losing, um, my hockey socks. I wear a, specific pair of Reebok socks and my skates and I swear I had double the amount one year ago and now I'm down to half that I don't know what happened to them I don't know where they went I do laundry at the same place all the time but I am down black hockey socks so uh, this is it's like ghosts or UFOs do they exist do they not? Where do the sock, socks go? I don't think we're ever going to find out. Yeah, the, the Ian, socks do you are, have this problem? Um, yeah, I have this problem too. I, I, but I just think it's it's something that we all have to just accept. You have to sacrifice old socks to the sock god at some point. Otherwise, you're going to have socks with holes in them. Deficient socks that don't keep your feet warm as often as you would like. Let me tell you something about Old Navy socks, by the way. Oh, oh. I'm excited. Old Navy used to make a really nice sock. A nice white sock. Black ones, too. But I mainly... How would, high? A uh, little higher than what I got going on here. I would say... That's a, that's a, that's a calf sock. Yeah, it was a calf sock. It, it Not up to the knee. A good... <laughs> A good How, do you five inches, wear, six you inches below I'm the knee. I'm pulling back on sock talk because I don't want to bore the listeners, but I could talk fucking socks forever. All right, let's let's spin the wheel again. Let's get off sock talk. Okay. Anyway, no, old, I, I want to hear this. Well, Old Navy used Tell to have good socks, Navy right? Socks. So then one day I go into Old Navy. Their socks are now they're not Old Navy brand. Mm -hmm. They're Fruit of the Loom brand. They partnered with the the, the cursed. Well, the well-known, well-established underwear brand, Fruit of the Loom. Fruit of the Loom, responsible for your underwear, your undershirts, under and clothing. socks. Yeah. Right. Things you wear under the outer wear, for those of you that don't know what underwear is. So, uh, <laughs> so I go in, and I see a pack of Fruit of the Loom socks, and I was like, ugh. All right, so I guess like Fruit of the Loom is kind of like making their socks now, and and they were a dollar more expensive, but being very happy and satisfied because they used to have like this great elastic around the foot part of the sock as well as like the ankle well, part. I mean, Old Navy wasn't 
their their sock army wasn't sufficient enough to beat off the angry hordes of Fruit of the Loom, and that's what happens when you lose Fruit the sock. Loom, right, wars. Fruit of the Loom came in and said, "Hey, look, we have name recognition. People love our our looms of fruit socks." And so Old Navy was like, "Well, you know, I think we, we can, can sell more socks this way." Looms. So they partnered. And they sold an inferior product. I got you the sock, and I was like, "What in the world?" War. They're a fucking navy. Well, guess what? Come on, guess you watch those football games. Where does navy rank? Yeah, when was the last time they beat Notre Dame? Uh, long Notre long Dame's time ago. not even get, in the military. Get, guess what? Old Navy now has Old Navy socks again, but they're different than they used to be. They still don't have that elastic around the foot part. They're better than the Fruit of the Loom garbage, but they're nowhere near as good as they used to be, and they're even more expensive yet. But here's the real kicker. When you get kicker, them... not a pun. <laughs> uh, when you get them now, um, I bought like two or three packs of these things, and they're like different lengths. So you have, when you do your laundry, they look the same, but you got to like line them up to make sure you get the pairs right. Cause there is nothing I hate more than putting on a, a sock and it comes, you know, halfway up your shin. And then you put on the other, what you think is the matching sock. And then it comes almost halfway up your shin. And you're like, this isn't a pair. I can't go an entire day like this. Matt, I have Star Wars socks recently. Yes. And I got four pair, uh-huh. and one sock of each pair is a is three quarters the size of the other one. It's uncanny that all of the goofy sizes happen with each pair. One sock of each pair is so much smaller than the other. Why, Why the fuck can't we get sock production correct and get them to stick around longer than a couple? washing machine cycles i couldn't agree more i'm, I'm not sure i'm not sure who to be maddest at kathleen <laughs> or matt or paul for this segment please matt, spin the wheel spin that wheel baby all right as soon as i get up here I'll... take your time matt well, thanks <laughs> no reason you should just hang by the wheel all night Slowing down, slowing down. Ian, read it off. It looks like it's Justin Carr's first question. What comic have you read where the story was brilliant, but the art was shit? Man, I was thinking about that one, and I still don't have a quality answer. So, Paul, why don't you, why don't you go? I've is this. I wasn't even done with that question. And I knew, I knew the book. It's uh, it's um, IDW's Voltron. It was the second arc of Brandon Thomas's run on the book. Uh, simultaneously, Brandon Thomas did a Voltron title, and he did a Voltron Year One title. Uh, both were fantastic, as good as the Netflix Voltron series is, which is top notch. The best Voltron property I've ever seen, including all the goofy original '80s anime, just like the the original Ninja Turtles. Uh, the 
the current Nickelodeon run that's ending for Ninja Turtles made all of Ninja Turtles better. That's what the Netflix series of Voltron did for Voltron. It made the entire property better. This is the new standard. Mm -hmm. That's what Brandon Thomas's Voltron stories were doing for IDW. They were making, <clears throat> I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's IDW. I'd, I think it is. Yeah. I, I think it. I, I think it is. I'm pretty sure it is. But we fuck shit up all the time. Definitely Brandon Thomas. Uh, he did a Voltron Year One where you didn't even see Voltron in that story. It was how uh, Sven came to lead the team of himself, Keith, Lance, Pidge, uh, and Hunk to become Voltron. They were that particular team of space explorers. That was fantastic. His first run of Voltron about they they get into how Voltron how Zarkon had a tie to the Lions, the creation of the Lions, how they formed Voltron, the Planetary Alliance. It was brilliant. Then they get to the second arc of the story. They introduce Lotor. They introduce the the, the relationship between Keith, Lotor, and Alora who by this time in Voltron lore have been together a long time. The story was fantastic. They took all of the mythology from the original series. Mm -hmm. They put all of that in... Brandon Thomas put all of that in order. But the art was so bad. It was so... It was so bad. Like, it was atrocious bad. We've seen bad artwork before. We've been around the comic game. For a long time. Yeah, that's right. We, we've we, read. We've been around each other. Yeah, right, right. We've seen a ton of bad artwork in comic books. But it this was the most egregious. Mm -hmm. Because like I'm, I'm reading this and I'm like, IDW is a pretty big company at this point. Right. IDW is a legitimate comic book publisher. How are they paying this guy? to draw this right. because it's it's bad. It's really bad. And I can't... Like, I'll, I'll look at some bad comic art and I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, this is kind of wonky. This is kind of weird. Mm -hmm. You know, this perspective is kind of goofy, but as a whole, I can't do this whole page. Mm -hmm. I can't do it. But this was a case of a legitimate comic book publisher putting out someone's work where me who I don't consider a good artist myself, saying, oh, I could absolutely do at least this. Like, how did this guy get this fucking job? Yeah. It, it tanked the entire series. Mm -hmm. All the work Brandon Thomas put in, and uh, Craig, I think Craig Cermak was the year one artist. Um, the, the year one book, the first arc of the Voltron book, they were so good. Complete artist colorist, uh, penciler, everything was on point, and then they get to the second arc, and everything fell apart because the art was so bad. Well, that seems like you definitely knew what the answer to that question was going to be. No, it was, it was, I've, never, I've never seen quote-unquote professional comic art uh -huh. done so bad besides... Oh, here's 
my buddy did this at the local comic shop's 24-hour art festival or comic festival or whatever the shit that is. This was a legitimate publisher paying this guy. 24-hour comics festival? You know how they do like 24-hour Try to make comic stuff. book in like one day. Oh, I, you I know, kinda, you know, this was, this was a professional publisher paying someone for professional artwork and it is atrocious. I honestly, it's in those wipe, it's in those long boxes over there. I honestly out after the show. don't be, have a, uh, an answer for this one myself. Like I can't remember a really great story that I was like, oh man, this art is awful. You know, I, I have a, a, a couple in, in mind, but. Can I say something that might be kind of like sacrilege? Yeah. <laughs> like it's never stopped me before, right? This isn't my answer, uh, and I'll get to that in a minute, but I, as I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, really good story, but like kind of the art isn't as good yeah. as the story is. And I thought Watchmen with Dave Gibbons' artwork would be would kind of qualify. And if anybody's like, fuck you, Watchmen art is amazing. I I, I want to know what's so amazing about it. I, I know it's like every page is on a nine panel grid. It's incredibly detailed, but does that mean it's like good necessarily just because it's really detailed? I, it's not dynamic. It's just a means to tell the story, I feel. I think that Dave Gibbons artwork is a acquired taste. I don't think it's bad. At all. I think it is actually quite good, but I don't think that it matches the aesthetic that you normally gravitate to, which is typically sort of like bombastic, loud, um, over the top, kind of, like maybe not over the top, but you know, the image, the stuff that people think of being the stereotypical Todd McFarlane, Eric Larson, Rob Liefeld, the image you know, guys, j- right? you know, the image stuff, like, but the good stuff. I, I hate to say the image style whenever people are like, oh, well, it's like, you know, all the all the shit artists that came on and copied. No, like when image first broke, that stuff that redefined an entire generation of comic book art. It's hard for me to really pick like a a true answer to this just simply because. It's tough because they go so hand in hand with me. Right. I almost flame out whenever there is right. bad artwork. Right. I, yeah, like, I, I don't, can't I don't do buy it. those books. Like I'll buy yeah. mediocre artwork. Yeah. If I think it's gonna be kind of cool. But you know, usually I'm buying books because they look cool before I think that uh you know that before like I think it might be a great story or whatever. It just has to really catch my attention visually. That's the first thing that I notice. Um but my answer to this one, uh, Paul kind of like made me think of it. The original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stuff. You've read those early yeah, trade paperbacks yeah. with uh, Kevin Eastman. I believe Kevin Eastman was the artist. Is that correct? Peter Laird I think was so. the writer. And Peter Laird is the writer. And yeah. uh, it, it's it's so garbage indie. Um, it, well, it, it's is it garbage indie or is it just like it's it's an indie book? That's what I indie think it, comics n- looks like. You know what an indie comic looks like? Now, yeah, right. By today's standards for an indie comic book, um, do you think that it's Teenage t- Mutant Ninja Turtles is at all on that level? It's almost impossible to judge a nineteen a mid nineteen eighties product against a late you know two uh, two thousand seventeen product. Why is that impossible? Why because the way that you produce comic books is 
completely different. The way that you create the artwork. Somebody, somebody can create something that is better than the talent that they possess. They also have a knowledge of how comic books work that I think is superior to what was available to somebody in the mid-80s. So that just lends itself, it builds itself to make a better ground level of comic book creators, I think. Well, yeah, kind of. But like, compare a black and white comic book today to the black and white comic book that was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the 80s. Right, but um, my point is, like, black and white, it doesn't mean the same thing. Like, a black and white comic book today is probably, it, not even probably, definitely not created the same way as a black and white comic book was created back in 1986. It just isn't. Well, a lot of them now are, like, grayscale, right? right. But But some are strictly black and white, like Sin City, for example, uh... Or, or even the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic book that Image produced back in the 90s and maybe early 2000s. I think it was all in the 90s. Uh, that was strictly black and white. It was strictly on... Uh, it may have been on paper better than newsprint, but like it was black and white. Right, but my, my point is that the foundation of whoever made that, whatever penciler and anchor created that, had more of a working knowledge of how comic books and comic book art functions in the 90s and then when you jump into today's comic book creators they have so many tools you mean at like their from, disposal you mean from like a storytelling perspective from but the guys who created that stuff in the 80s had the same working knowledge of how comics were produced in the 80s comic but comic book culture wasn't as accessible as it was to the guys because those dudes were growing up in the 70s right so you're going to your newsstand in comparison to the creators that came up in the 90s that had direct shops that could really submerge themselves in the art of making comic books. I think it's different. Yeah, but regardless, I think that the quality of what Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman did from a visual standpoint was incredibly amateurish. I, I never felt like they they were ever like at the level of any of the other professionals that drew the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles over the years. Like these guys were like, it almost felt like these, their pages were doodles out of like a, a notebook, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it just didn't ever look great. It was a really awesome, fun concept that, you know, stole some stuff from Daredevil and was <clears throat> making fun of, uh, you know, ninjas and stuff like that at the time. Purposefully and stole it. You know, it was tongue-in-cheek that they I stole. Was, no, I realize I mean, that. Yeah, like, yeah, They didn't, like, the foot is the hand. Right, like, right. And that, like, and that's something that resonates with me to this day. I was watching the current season of Nickelodeon's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and every time I'm watching that show, I, th knowing where the property came from and its roots, it's funny to me that these guys set out to do a parody mm -hmm. of a comic book and created a property even larger than the parody that they were doing. Yeah, right. people know who foot soldiers are way more than what hand right. ninjas because what, are. Because what, what Nickelodeon's doing now with this final season of this current CG run of, of Ninja Turtles is they're adding different... They, they've called on uh, different animators 
to come in and tell like a 10 minute Ninja Turtles story. There's some like in the future where the turtles are gone, but there's humans jumping in turtle mechs to, you know, fight the foot still, you know, there's different stories about like Donnie and Raph just fighting in the lair to see who's better at what. And there's all these weird, interesting stories and it's, the Ninja- last season's basically an anthology, is that right? No, this is this is on top of the season. Oh. They'll have one of these like ten minutes, ten minute animated, usually two D, you know, traditional animated stories, and then they'll get into the actual episode. <laughs> but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles be- has become so much bigger than the parody that it was from, and every time I watch this turtle show or anything turtles, I'm like, holy shit. Like these guys, these guys accidentally fell into a gold mine, mm-hmm. which is and you, st- and you remarkable still- considering how ugly it looked to start. Right, and there's uh, and there's still like those like as I think Peter Laird bowed out. Like he's not. Yeah, he really doesn't involved. really do like signings, or he's not involved with Kevin signing Eastman. those Kevin checks. Eastman's, I think is what he's right, signing. Keep exactly. getting them Kevin checks. Eastman is still the one. He's involved. He's doing stuff. And you'll see him give Peter Lair the nod because on one of these recent, on one of these recent episodes, there was like a Laird's gym in the background. Didn't Kevin Eastman marry like that porno chick? What was her name? Uh, Mindy Eastman? No, no, no. Sheila f- Sheila Eastman. <laughs> Sheila Eastman. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, are we gonna spin that wheel again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do we not? End this segment on Sheila Eastman. <laughs> How do we not end this podcast? This is our final episode, everyone. Yeah. Episode 200, <laughs> Sheila Eastman. Sheila Eastman, good night. Hold on one sec, guys. You know what? Just move that thing. I keep telling you. That crate of <laughs> baby skulls that Paul keeps <laughs> down here. <laughs> Baby, baby foreskins. <laughs> I can't, I can't believe AMC is promoting Preacher season two with baby foreskins in their tweets. That's how you do it, man. It's how you win over the die-hard fans that just love them some baby foreskin. That's uh, slowing down. It looks like it's gonna hit our good friend. And longtime contributor, Dominic Yossi. Order of Hollywood Chris's, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Pine, Chris Evans. And we do have time, so we'll do some fuck, Mary kill. Paul, how um, do you want to rate by, this? By the way, uh, he, married, he married Julie Strain. If you remember that porno chick mm. from like the 90s, Paul. Come on, mm. you know you remember her. Sure do. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. What color was her hair? Blonde. It was dark. Damn it, I had a 50% chance. Because there are two colors of hair, you fuck. Pretty much. Chris, Chris's, Paul, Hollywood Chris's. Uh, well, uh, Hollywood Chris's, it's it's Chris Reeves is number one. Ugh. Everyone's forgetting the one and only Chris. I think that this is question superhero. is living. He is the living? ultimate Chris of superhero. He also lists Chris Reeves. He left out but Pratt. If you would like to use Pratt in here I'll, as well. Wait, what, what three did he give us? Then? He I gave us Pratt he, was the triumvirate. Hemsworth, Pine, Evans. Oh, Jesus. 
Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember that chick at all, Matt. I do. Do you? Yeah. You filthy yeah. fucking dick motherfucker. Oh, I'm sorry. Um. Well, Dom, I'm gonna throw Pratt into this. Um. So I'm I'm gonna rank them one to three, and then fuck Mary Kill. Wait, wait, wait. Is that what's happening? Wait, you just added a fourth one. Well, How you right, one of them is being one, left so. out. Oh, okay. So you're not even gonna rank. You're not gonna do ranking four of them. I feel like we would have to do a double kill. Fuck Mary, kill, kill. <laughs> okay. Okay. Can we yeah, do it? Fuck Mary, kill, kill. We'll do it. Um, well, number one is uh, Chris Pine. Coming off his Wonder Woman performance. Uh, his whatever that romantic killer comedy he was in with uh, Bane and Reese Witherspoon. I love that movie too. Oh, that movie sucks. Um, I loved dicks. him in uh, Into the Woods. Chris Pine, he's fantastic as Captain Kirk. It's Chris Pine. I'm gonna Chris Pine's number one. I'm gonna marry Chris Pine. I want to fuck Chris Pine for the rest of my life. It's gonna be Chris Pine. Pine, Pine, Pine. Give me that Pine dick. Uh, number two Give me is that Pine be... Cone. <laughs> <laughs> Give me uh, number two is gonna be um, number two is gonna be Chris Pratt. I need some funny. I feel like Chris Pine's going to be able to give me a nice blend of serious, some drama, some funny. Uh, Chris Pratt, he brings the funny heat. I love the funny heat. So I'm going to fuck Chris Pine. Or Pat Pratt. I'm going to fuck Chris Pratt. Uh, third. Oh, uh, man. Uh, was this Hemsworth or... Hemsworth or Evans. Or Evans. Oh. Uh, Jesus. Um, I'm going to pick Chris Evans. I think I have more of a history with Chris Evans. I need to see more of... Man, Chris Hemsworth was so good as uh, Daddy Kirk in Star Trek, though. Really, really was, good. I feel really like good. they have equal amounts of um, screen history with, well, with us. I'm killing them both. In our fuck Mary kill segment, so it doesn't but, matter who no, lands in at third and fourth. No, I'm gonna give it to Chris Evans because he made me believe in Captain America. He gave me the Captain America performance, much like Christopher Reeves is Superman. Chris Evans is Captain America. Matt, who wants it next? Uh. Well, I, I guess I should go backwards, right? I, I think you kind of... Yeah, I, I guess I buried the lead. Yeah, so uh, going backwards, um, number three is going to be... Um, <laughs> Fine, going. It's going to be... Hmm, shit. It's going to be Chris... Chris! Chris! They're all Chris. This is terrible suspense. Uh, it's gonna, it's gonna everybody be. Everybody hates Chris. What was that kid's name? It's gonna be Chris Pine, number three. Chris Pine. Pine. <gasps> okay. <laughs> Paul looks butthurt right now. I am butthurt. You also, by the way, you also have a number four. Would you like to drop a number four in there as well? No, because that's like we're doing the America's Funniest Home Videos thing where. You don't know it's going to be. Well, we're modifying this question because I feel oh, like. Oh, you want me to go 4 3 because 2 I, Yeah, because I feel like Dom's remiss. Like, Dom would 
want us to amend this question and put Chris Pratt on here too. Okay, so uh, number four then is uh, Chris Hemsworth. Um, I don't like Australian accents. Okay. Uh, Pine, no- because you just wanted to hurt, you wanted to wound <clears throat> Paul McGinty's soul, right? And clearly I did. Uh, number two is uh, Chris Evans, and number one is Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt is just... I've liked him ever since uh, Parks and Recreation. So and, fuck, Mary kill, go. Uh, hmm. I guess Chris Pratt probably would be the most gentle. Uh, you think so? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so so uh, him, then uh, Mary, uh, probably Chris Pine. More to talk about with him. Uh, and then, and then kill obviously would be the Aussie. Uh, I don't, I just can't handle that accent. Just the, the Aussie. So, so, uh, Chris Evans just double death. Yeah, I guess he dies too, huh? Double death. Yep. Yep. Oh, oh boy. What a bummer. Number four, Chris Evans. Oh, double, double death for Chris Evans. Number three. I'm gonna do. Um, I'm gonna do Chris Hemsworth. Unfortunately, number two, Chris Pratt. Number one, Chris Pine. That's right. Oh, you guys are gonna have to fight over him. No, no, that's who was replacing you on the podcast. (laughs) See, but here, here's where I'm gonna differ. I would marry Chris Pratt. Oh, I'm gonna fuck Chris Hemsworth. And I'm gonna double kill Chris Pine, Chris Evans. I like how you're gonna gonna fuck Chris Hemsworth. Like he's not gonna fuck you. You're gonna put it to him. You don't know anything about my style, son. Spin that wheel. He's gonna learn your style. He's gonna appreciate what you have to offer and be the man you want him to be. It's a teachable moment in the bedroom. Jesus. This is the worst wheel spinning performance that we've had. Ian? All right. Lauren has a question about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Have the Pittsburgh Penguins secured a dynasty title? Matt, you had a pretty definitive answer earlier. Lauren, no, they haven't. I think it would be really cool if they did, but dynasties, uh, if you you crown dynasties prematurely, it takes away from the relevance and the value of them. I think that we do that often in sports, and... Cite an example. Um, well, I think they were calling the Patriots a dynasty. They are before it was a dynasty. When they won, when they won three, they were still. When they won three in like five years, they were. And then this extended span over twenty years. Of winning, I how many how five many Super Bowls have they won in twenty years? Five, five. That's not a dynasty. How many did but they win is. in five years? Uh, in five years, there are three at the most. They're a dynasty, any. Paul. They're, they're a dynasty, Paul. They've the, they've been right, in contention for a Super are, Bowl for all of those twenty years. Are the Blackhawks 
a dynasty? See that that's a that's a tough question. I I don't know. Three championships I, in six years. I think that's that's pretty good. I think in the salary cap era, I think three and six. Yeah, sure. Dynasty. See, I don't see it that way. I I feel well, what qualifies as a dynasty to you. Um, I think repeating. I think uh, the, did the Patriots repeat? They did in the early section of their. But um, I mean, twenty years. Didn't they repeat last year? They didn't repeat last year. It was interrupted years. by. You, I mean, twenty years. Like, yeah, a lot of teams have been good for twenty years, but you need to win a lot in a short span. They've been in the AFC be Championship game. Fuck I might that. be wrong, but five times in a row. The last five yeah. years, they've been yeah. in the AFC Guess Championship. What? That's they've been. They but they didn't win the Super Bowl those years. Right, but they've been right there every single they year, and win. they won this, and they won the Super Bowl. Three out of those five. Paul, don't right don't, there. don't went, argue that one. They're dynasty. Let me tell you the football dynasties. You have the the forty nine or the Steelers of the seventies. What did they win? How many and how many years? They won uh, four in six years. Yes, dynasty. You have. Um, did the Patriots win four in six years? They didn't win four in six years. Right. They won three Done. and no, five. No. no. What's the no, cutoff? Marvel's then? No. What's four, the cutoff? Four what is championships the cutoff? is the cutoff. Four, That's ridiculous. Almost four, nobody does that. Right. That's why it's a special Whoa. thing. That's why it's a special thing. We can give fucking dynasties right. to anyone if you're like, oh, three championships in six years. Lauren, you Let's see what you did here? Let's have everyone be fucking dynasties. Does everybody do that? That's also a special thing. Fuck That's it. fucking but it's ridiculous not, but it's just not to a say dynasty. You just can because, be. You just you just picked four out of fucking nowhere. You picked four no, out of fucking I nowhere. Picked, yes, I you did. Four. No, you did. You just no. picked it out of nowhere. I picked four on hockey rules. I picked well, four on. Well, guess that's, what? Because guess, that's true. Guess what? That's, Most of fucking so, everything doesn't revolve around hockey rules. Okay, so what's everything the, so, doesn't revolve around school hockey? Me. School nothing. Me. What's, nothing revolves around. No. So what's it's the a, it's, what's the rule for a there is NFL no hard and, dynasty? There is no hard and fast oh, fucking rule. So it's fucking chaos then. It's fucking madness in who, the NFL. Who who sits down and says these are the rules for what happens in hockey? Who who does it? Is it you? It must be you. There's no legitimate rules, but that's why there's such debate over whether the Blackhawks are a dynasty now, whether the Penguins may be a dynasty, because Well, there shouldn't be a de- had, any debate. It's four, and that's it. Four. Because hockey has had, between the 60s, 70s, and 80s, they've had enough teams that won four and four, or four and five, that or six and six and or five and six that have been dynasties, legitimate dynasties. You don't think so? That's what that's what the hockey rule is based on. And we're talking about if the Penguins are a dynasty, not what the loosey goosey football rules are of right. Oh, the loosey goosey football rules of dominating of, the fucking right, league of, for twenty. You years. made the AFC championship a bunch of times. We're not talking you, about football rules. rules. We're talking about the Penguins. The, this is being the a most dynasty. insane. 200 episodes in to question the validity of the Patriots dynasty is right, but, the worst thing that you've but ever Lauren, fucking Lauren didn't dug ask. In. No, she didn't, but Matt right. brought it up and then you started being like the fucking hockey rules as right. I say so. Right, because as written down by me. Because we're talking about hockey 
and we're talking about the Penguins, which are a hockey team, and what the general hockey media constitutes as a dynasty. Well, then the answer's simple. No, not not, not four. Right, because there's, there's too many years between wins. The Penguins are not a dynasty. If the Penguins put... If if they three-peat, maybe we think about it. But I think if I, they three-peat, you three-peat, how many teams have three three-peat? Oh, in the salary cap area? No one's even... No, it was no just a general question. No one's back-to-back in the salary cap area. So, And this but, is the first time that somebody has done it in 20 years, yeah, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's amazing. It's it's unfounded. It's it's great in this area of hockey. but This era? This era, yeah. Okay, sorry. But like I'm 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 old school. You gotta do four. You gotta prove me four. So like if the penguins don't win four cups and if they don't win two more cups in the next three years, we're not a dynasty. So four four and seven, that doesn't count. Like four and seven wouldn't count, or five and eight, that would be different. Blackhawks. Like once you get over once you get over like four, is it guaranteed in like a ten year span? Personally, no. No. Okay, but the hockey gods, yes, it that's, does matter. That's that's the sporting rules that I grew up on. That's ingrained in me because it needs to be something special. It needs to be something out of this fucking world that just doesn't happen. Something that stands alone. Like, people are going to be like, oh, well, yeah, you know, Penguins won back-to-back. Yeah, they also did 91-92, but... Blackhawks three and four, three or three and five years is pretty great too. There's too much controversy. There's too much discussion over it. There's not definitive. Canadians won four and four years. Islanders won four and four years. Oilers won four and five years. Like how many that's less definitive teams, shit? But like how many less teams were there whenever those teams were doing those same things? Well, weren't there I, considerably less? I will. Teams? I will concede. Some of that doesn't Canadian, that make it a different sport? Some of that Canadian shit is bullshit. But <laughs> the, the Islanders and the, the Islanders, Islanders four wins, right? Those were the Oilers 80s, 70s. wins. Those are those are dynasties, right? I, I think football rules may be different. They're they're loosey goosey. They flow like water. I I feel like you can easily like I don't know anything about basketball. I guess the the Bulls had the dynasty in the nineties, right? Did they? They had, they had two sets of three. That's absolutely a dynasty. Right. Did they do three through three, lose? Three through three? Or they one? did. They did one on one, lose. They one did on one. three, three, three. Michael Jordan retired, <coughs> got suspended <laughs> for gambling, and then he came back, and then they won three more. They won six in seven years? Yes. Oh, that's a dynasty. I'm glad hockey <laughs> says so. <laughs> that's, undis- that's an undisputed dynasty. <laughs> Hockey says so. But, like, they're very easy to spot, I think, dynasties. <clears throat> well, clearly not. This Patriots I, thing well, that acor- has been going on forever according and will continue in, is not clear. According to me, they're easy to spot, right? In football, it's uh, it's Steelers, 49ers, Cowboys, Packers maybe before that. Um, and uh, then the Patriots after the Cowboys. That That's it. Then in hockey, you have Canadians, you have... Uh, Red Wings, right? Red Wings, did they have a dynasty? They no. won a lot, but no Ooh, dynasty? No dynasty no. in the 90s? Jesus, no. Why not? Because okay. they were fighting with the 
They couldn't beat the Avalanche half. How of many those did years. how many did they win in the Aren't 90s? Weren't they really good back in like the 60s Devils, and shit? Devils won just as many and they don't pop to your mind right away. How many But how many did they win though? Oh, the stats on the top of my head. Oh, I'm sorry. But that's but that's my point. But it's didn't not they win it's a not fucking shit ton? That they yeah, they they won like they won Then they win ninety five. They won three between like ninety five and two thousand. Devils won three between ninety five and two thousand one. That's like three in five years. That doesn't fucking count. Okay. What do you we call We already covered that? <laughs> okay. Let's spin the wheel again. I think we've beaten this into the ice. I don't think we Lauren, did. Lauren, so let's the, move ans- on. the answer is <laughs> the answer, no. The-, the Penguins are not a dynasty according to hockey rules. <laughs> the Penguins, along with the Patriots, are not a dynasty. And once Matt makes his way over, it took a lot of energy for him to walk past. Done with this fucking episode. <laughs> 200 is when we need Rob Life on like, <laughs> I'm going to tweet Rob Life on when he constitutes as a dynasty. Are you really? Uh, all right. We got Ethan's second question. Thank the Lord. Second question. Would you rather go to drink a glass of orange juice and get milk? Or would you rather go to drink a glass of milk and get orange juice? Paul, what do you think? Oh, Jesus. You know, this shouldn't be this shouldn't be such a hard question. I think I'd rather go to get orange juice and get milk because it's going to be less shocking. It's going to be a little more tame, a little more palatable. If you go expecting the the soft, soothing taste of milk and then you get that citrusy punch of orange juice, you're going to be a little more shocked. I'm gonna go. Uh, I, I I want orange juice, but I get milk. I'm gonna go different. I, I'd rather get. I'd rather get orange juice instead of milk because you gotta th- the the like the the consistency of milk is so different that I feel like if I thought I was getting orange juice and I got milk, I would throw up instantly into the cup. <laughs> so. The shock of the citrusy shock would be okay. I could handle it, but the thickness of the milk, nope, throw up. Matt. Um I I'm with Paul on this one. I feel like uh the citrusy nature of orange juice is a stronger flavor, so that way it would be more like a punch to your to your palate. And uh, it would be a, a more unexpected surprise. So yeah, I'd probably prefer to um, to go in what I think is going to be orange juice, but be surprised by milk. All right. Next question. Spin it again. All right. Rob Liefeld doesn't have a Twitter, by the way. Yeah, he does. He does. I think we both yeah, follow him. him. We're gonna have to talk about what his handle is. It's not Rob Liefeld. All right, we have M Dub's question. What's your most memorable podcast moment for each of us, Matt? Why don't you, Why don't you guys kick it off with uh, running down what the Godzilla bet was? 
Oh, okay. Matt, do you want to tell the people? The Godzilla bet was... <clears throat> I, I can't remember exactly where it stemmed from. I know that... Hubris, uh, arrogance... Uh, no, we were talking... An insane need to be right. We were talking about um, the Godzilla movie coming out, and and I guess I thought that it was going to be a kind of a, a big deal, and Ian, you thought that it was irrelevant. And then we started throwing... Um, I don't no. know if I thought it was going to be irrelevant. Okay. I'm a Godzilla fan. Yeah. I don't think irrelevant did was something that I said. Did you see it yet? I have seen it, yeah. Okay, good. I did see it. Um, I just didn't think that there was going to be the uh, reaction that you thought. I think that y you were you are a bigger Godzilla fan. You had more invested and more interest and excitement, and I thought that maybe your interest and excitement was leading you down a path to, to inflate crowd numbers and yeah. box office receipts. Yeah. So uh, then Ian and I started this uninformed and uh, <laughs> just an uninformed argument where neither one of us knew what we were talking about. Nope. We, were, we were saying, we were throwing out box office numbers that we predicted based on no research. We didn't really ever pay attention. I think Ian said something like it wouldn't make $9 million Which, opening weekend. like... Looking back at that is that's the downfall. It was the like what that is the most insane thing that I've ever said. As Paul sat here and said that the New England Patriots aren't a dynasty, like a fucking total numbskull. That was the dumbest thing that I've. That said. is truly the dumbest thing Paul's ever said on this yeah, podcast. He, each week, he, each week he just one ups himself. Uh, but Ian, yeah, that was that was incredibly stupid. Did, Even box office bombs make. Twenty million dollars. Right. Like, what did the Mummy make? Do Do you know? Twenty two million dollars. Oh, I thought it made like thirty seven somewhere um, in there. Um, I thought it. Last I looked, it made twenty. I went to see it, but um, you went to see it too. Yeah. Right? So we, we threw in some some change. Okay. There. Did you like? I it? thought it was um, it was everything I expect. Just like you said. Okay. Just what I thought it was going to be. It. I'm interested in a Mummy movie that involves Tom Cruise being the Mummy. You know, that's okay. about it. But yeah, even box office bombs make. 35 to 20 million dollars so nine right. i was basically saying this was going to be the worst movie right of all time. so i i thought even that was kind of crazy even though i was uninformed and i didn't really know and so we formed a bet a hundred dollar bet that godzilla would be the number one movie the weekend that it came out mm -hmm. in america and, uh, and Ian said that it wouldn't be. I said that it would be. And this was what about three months before the movie came out? <laughs> yeah, there was a and there was a heck of a run up. It right, had a, a the, long runway for me to possibly change my mind. But, but Paul doesn't get off scot free here. Like Paul sided with Ian, and he uh, was staunchly uh, against my prediction as well because he's such a good friend. Right. Well, can I can I tell my side? Yeah, go ahead, man. I didn't staunchly agree with Ian because I thought Ian was in the right and this movie was going to do terribly. That's what I thought at the very beginning. <laughs> but during this long run-up, it was clear that this team wasn't making the playoffs. <laughs> so my early playoff prediction of Godzilla doing terribly was off the rails. But I didn't want to balk. I didn't want to... I didn't want to, you know, back off and like say I was I, I wasn't willing to admit that I was wrong. I wanted to stick with my prediction. I was going to see it through. 
And even though I knew it wasn't going to come to fruition, I stuck with it, and I was a loser. Even, even Ian started to come around before you, Paul, like the week before. I was staunch. Yeah. I was staunch. I love that Paul's pig-headedness knows no bounds, even with my stupidity well, he had as no, its foundation. He had no money on the line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that so, was the thing. I, I and, really had no horse in the race. And Ian, being the noble gentleman that he, that he is, he paid up. Uh, but I believe but Matt being the noble gentleman that he is just paid for pizza for like a couple weeks for us. So yeah, that's right. And took a little bit on the side, but whatever. Some side action. So that is the, that's the, that's Matt Walker's, Matt highlight Walker's of the most, show. uh, beloved. That's episode. a, that's a good one because it, it went multiple episodes. There was such a lead up and, and we argued and then we argued about it again and then again. And it was like, holy crap, we couldn't stop yelling at each other about it. Uh, so that leads me to one of my favorite things that has ever happened on this podcast, which was also a multi-episode spanning saga, which is none other than the Rob Liefeld commission <laughs> sketch debacle. And and I'll tell the story as quickly as I can uh, because it's funny. Uh, the McSauce comic book podcast made its very first appearance in uh, Philadelphia back in uh, 2015, right? May of 2015? Yeah. Does that sound right? Yep. Uh, unfortunately, <clears throat> Ian couldn't join us, but standing in for him, one of the McSauce brothers, Dommy was there. The and Brotherhood so, of McSauce. So we had myself, Paul, and Dom there. And guess who else was there? Rob Liefeld. Not at the McSauce table, of course. He had his own table. And we went up to it, and I I started to geek out. I started to have one of those uh, starstruck moments, being a big Rob Liefeld fan. Listeners, laugh at me all you want. I like his artwork. Sue me. So I I get to meet him, and, and, and I, I commissioned him to draw me a head sketch. for I think it was $200. He drew me a yep. Savage Dragon head sketch. And uh, Paul, like, talked me into it. He's like, well, when else are you going to get this chance again? And I was like, yeah, that's right, man. Well, we talked each other into some uh, original artwork purchases. <laughs> that's true. That, that's Which right. one did you get, Paul? I got, a, I got an Ethan Van Skyver uh, Sinestro Corps member sketch. Right. And, yeah, we talked to each other. It yeah. was We were like, oh, man, it's a lot of money. But when else are you going to get this chance again? So, like idiots, we <laughs> blew our money on these sketches. And uh, I don't have regrets paul do you no not at all okay so uh so i give rob liefeld the money and uh he says oh, i should have it done maybe tomorrow or something and um the next day paul and i walk up to him and and he shows me the list he's like oh, i didn't get to it yet you're next on the list because he had all these names crossed out and then mine was next that wasn't crossed out I was like, okay, cool. And he's like, come back tomorrow. Uh, I'll, I'll do, I'm going to do it tonight when I get back to the hotel room. So, uh, the next day, Paul and I walk over to his table and it is a ghost town. Nobody's there. The, the, the banner behind him is gone. I All didn't the- already pay for a sketch. So <clears throat> this was pure comedy for me. I we went over there. There was there as well have been a tumbleweed going right. across well, there, the there, table. It was there so empty. Basically, was there was a crumpled up napkin <laughs> on the table. And Paul, what did I do? 
<laughs> she picked it up to see if it was your sketch. <laughs> it would have been brilliant if it was your sketch. It wasn't. It wasn't my sketch. And But I was so desperate. I thought that was, you know, like he couldn't seriously have just left. And then we like talked to the management and they're like, yeah, he, he left. He's gone. He, he cut out a day and a half early. I couldn't believe it. I had no way of getting in touch with him. I wanted them to give me his phone number yeah. to be like, uh, I gave you 200 bucks. Where's my freaking drawing? This leads into Matt <clears throat> knowing for sure Rob Liefeld's Twitter handle. Right. So what I hunt. his Twitter handle? Well, I, I forget what it is now. I'll find it. Don't worry. So anyway, I, I tracked him down on Twitter, got in touch with him, and we had this this ongoing back and forth epic that it wasn't him being intentionally difficult. It was just him being kind of flaky and, and I didn't want to be overly pushy because I was, I was dealing with him in a public forum and I desperately wanted him to like accept like a, a follow request or whatever, where we could like privately message in Twitter. Yeah. Um, but finally, and so what I did was I would message him like once a week and I would do it like during the show and we would see if we would get a response. And, um, after weeks of this, this went on, that was in May of 2015. Finally, we see, holy shit, Rob Liefeld is coming to Wizard World Pittsburgh and yours truly at the McSauce comic book podcast. We're going to be there. So I said, you know what? Don't even worry about sending me the drawing. Just bring it with you when you come to Pittsburgh and he was like, oh, awesome. Okay. I'll put it in my bag now. Meanwhile, I had already paid for shipping for him to <laughs> ship it to me, but I didn't <laughs> $10. I sent him $10 via PayPal, but he said his PayPal was like hacked or something. I don't know. Oh, it's such Rob a saga. Life this, this goes on for how many episodes? What did we touch on this? It was months, 10 man. It was months. So it went from May until September that I, that I had to wait until I got my, my drawing, but the end of the story, uh, we, we walk up to his table, waited in line actually for probably a good 15, 20 minutes. And I finally get up to him and I was like, Hey, do you remember me from Philly? Of course he didn't. He didn't remember that horrible face I made in the photo op <laughs> I got with him. But, uh, so I was like, I was the guy you did the sketch. He's like, Oh yeah. And he runs to his bag and he, and he pulls out the bag. Like he was unsheathing, you know, Excalibur for the first time. And, and it, I was like, Oh my God, he, he remembered. I thought for sure he wouldn't. And I was already planning my like revenge cause I was sure he didn't bring it. Yeah. And I was like going to flip his table or something, which in reality would end up me being like, well, yeah, maybe just send it when you get home. You know, that would be cool. <laughs> Do you need me to pay for shipping again? <laughs> so, uh, but I got it and I like it and I have it and, so that's mine. That's my most uh, favorite podcast extravaganza. And I've got a few, but that that's probably the top of my list. Uh, I'll make mine real quick. It's when Ian and I argued whether uh, the country of the United States of America would ever become uh, a purge country, as in the purge horror movies, whether uh, United States democracy would devolve into a purge state. <laughs> and we've argued, 
We fought. We fought tonight. We, we fought. Uh, we just fought last this segment. very episode. But we we got in, we got into it over multiple episodes about the purge and whether it could really happen. It spilled into us being approached by McSauce listeners arguing with us off camera at bars. It, it was it was a multi episode thing. It was off mic. It was off podcast. It became it sucked in people that didn't ever listen to the initial conversation or argument to have an opinion take sides which was a pro which was appropriate because the episodes we argued up about the purge <laughs> neither of us had seen any purge how, movies uh, and how, you've seen, you now you've seen them all now right <laughs> since then i've seen i, I watched the first two yeah, i watched yeah. the purge and anarchy have you seen them too i haven't i haven't um, either in a way um i i want to keep it pure I want to keep my argument based in just nonsense and <laughs> speculation as yeah. I can, which is where I like to keep all my arguments. Yeah, and um, if I had to pick a runner-up, it, it would be our Han Solo, Han Solo and Luke Skywalker best friends. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, those those were the big those were the big on mic arguments that you and I have had. Maybe number three is going to be last week's episode when Matt called me a buffoon. Three times in a row to get me to stop talking. See what I like maybe, about maybe that. Maybe that's just fresh. Maybe it's still fresh in my mind. What I like about that minute, I like when people at our age call other people <laughs> simple names: buffoon, dummy, numbskull, like cartoon, like any name that could be used in a Looney Tunes cartoon is pretty high quality. I'm gonna try to go real quick too. I'm gonna go with the. The episode, which I think is the basis for the the way that this podcast runs today. It's episode four, Dwayne Johnson gets hit by a bus, where we have our, Paul and I have our initial battle about Batman and Superman. We all, we used to do this show at your old apartment. We now do it from the same studio that we did it at that point. We do it in, in your house. Mm. And I think that all the other episodes ever since that particular one have kind of had a certain kind of flow that, you know, <clears throat> is similar to what we did in that totally insane episode. Runner up, all the McSawstober episodes. Yep. Those are always a ton of fun. We sit in the dark. We scare ourselves. I'm already contemplating being horrified sitting down in the basement in the total dark with some weird candles burning down to their nubs as we podcast and I freak the fuck Murder out. House. Murder House also. Murder House trips. Yeah. So a lot, lot, of, lot of good times. Um, I, you want to do one more? Yeah, we're we're gonna do we're running pretty long, but it's too hundy and you hung in with us. So we're gonna do one more. If you could just give me a second to get to the to the wheel. Matt for some reason sat back down again, so I'm I'm not sure why. It looks like it's Darcy's second question. 
She asks, what are our predictions for the next graphic novel comic to be transferred to the big screen? Um, overall, I does big screen exclusively mean the movies? Isn't that what big screen means? I think that's what she yeah. meant, but... What do you think? I mean, you can pick something um, different if you want to get freaky on it. I'm going to get freaky on it. I think why the last man is going to be in the works to become a series either on Netflix or AMC or stars. Like that's, that's my best guess. Like an, an yeah. honest guess, not like a favorite of what story arc I want to see become a movie. I, I think why the last man is prime for being a long form series on some network that could be done pretty uh, reasonably budgeted, really well told. Um, Why the Last Man by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerrera is my is my is my pick. Uh, I'm gonna go with something that I would just I I'd, I'd like to see, and I think it would be awesome. And I think that if they made a film about this or a TV series, I'd prefer TV series. But um, I I think that if they took Fiona Staples and Brian K. Vaughn saga and made some kind of property out of that, I think that that would be awesome. So I'm just going to go with that's what I would like to see saga. Another Brian K. Vaughn property. Brian K. Vaughn, Fiona Staples. Matt? So can I'm going to follow your lead and go with what I'd like to see. It has to be Brian K. Vaughn, though. Yeah. <laughs> Pride of Baghdad. <laughs> <laughs> the clean sweep. <laughs> I, I'm going with uh, Eric J. Larson's Savage Dragon. Uh, it's a favorite of mine since I was 12 years old when I got the very first issue. Since you could read a letters column. Since I could read the letters column, which I wrote to several times. Dork. And had letters printed. Double dork. <laughs> don't don't anybody go and find those letters. They're, they're embarrassing. But... Uh, Guess who has a lot of Savage Dragon? Well, have fun scouring the letters for my name. I got time. So that was Matt's nickname in high school. Letters penis. What? The Savage Dragon. (laughs) Is that what you used to call your shit when you beat off? Yep. So Savage Dragon is of one of the first Image comic books back when Image made superhero comic books. Superhero comics are still, to this day, my favorite kind of comic books. And there was something so fresh about the way Savage Dragon did it by making the main character a police officer instead of just, you know, like somebody wears his underwear on the outside of his clothes and fights crime. It kind of made sense. He was such a cool character. He was bulletproof, fireproof, super strong, but you could cut him and... um, Wait, the vi- he was fireproof, bulletproof. Yeah, but you could cut his skin. Yeah, well, if you were strong enough, yeah, like a a blade could cut well, his skin, like a special blade, or uh, like a. I don't. Just if it was a character made out of blades. So if you were Superman and had a like dying a knife, like a an, a regular knife, you could right. cut him. Yeah, yeah, yeah like if you a, had against force against like a regular gun, his like his skin could. 
like Superman's not going to do anything to him. Same thing with Savage Dragon. But if you had a super-powered being that wields, like, uh, you know... A special knife. I Apparently a special knife, Paul. But what if it's a knife from the kitchen upstairs? This is... No, don't shake your head. I had no idea this was a stipulation of Savage Dragon's power. A stipulation. I thought he was, like... Like, come on. I if, really didn't if know you, that there was a knife. No, no, no. Yeah, right. If, stipulation If you either. can get shot by a bullet mm-hmm. and you're okay, but you can get cut. But if you, the if the knifey doesn't have superpowers, you're okay. That's silly. Are you sure this is a technical is this, thing about uh, Am I missing dragon? something? I've got to be missing something. This is silly. You're making it more technical than it needs to be. Uh, the, there are super... You know villains. who you're talking to over there, right? Yeah, right. You you have super villains that uh, can swing a, a sword harder than a gun can shoot a bullet. So therefore, it's going to, you know, cut him. You said a knife. Stab harder than a gun can shoot. I'm going to kill you, okay? I'm going to stab you in about two seconds. So You don't question that now, though? No, no, I don't. I don't care. Like, it, it's fine. It doesn't... It, that's not the point. The point is, like, he's got super tough skin. He does have super tough skin. And in the very first issue, he's fighting a guy named Cutthroat who has blades for hands, and he had Savage Dragon all cut up. Uh, Where's Cutthroat from? Cuttington. Uh, I believe... Is that a planet? Because it better be an extraterrestrial planet. <laughs> because if it's Cuttington, Massachusetts, all of this falls apart. It's Cuttington Mass, kid. So I don't know where, like I maybe Jamaica or something. I'm not sure. So he he probably thinks Tom the Patriots got Dynasty. Oh yeah, cut, yeah, Cutthroat does. So anyway, it was it was such a good King story Tom. in terms of like the character development and like it it was such an edgy take on like what a superhero story can be. I I feel like with all these outrageously crazy characters and such an iconic looking hero, it's just something that has been begging to be made into something. And I think we've finally gotten to the point technology wise to bring all these ridiculously crazy characters to the screen without them looking ridiculous. Like there's something that might work. Isn't there a guy that has poop cannons? Yes. His name is dung, but we don't He'll need, look legit. We we don't need to include Dung into the into the TV canon. And we also don't need to include that weird I deflect bullets but I can be cut by a knife bullshit into the canon. But Yeah, whatever Paul wants is, is fine. Matt, that's silly. But I love I love his look. Uh uh are you do you want him to be all CG? Are you okay with like a Hellboy? I would be. Uh, I would probably prefer thing. a Hellboy uh, aesthetic. I love or, that. I love the police. Like I love all of. I'm all. I'm all on board. Savage Dragon. You want him over, man. But this new, <laughs> this new, this new news, wrinkle. This right. new yeah. wrinkle. This is really fucking bizarre. I'm sorry that it upsets you so much. Uh, I I don't understand why that's problematic for you. Like, there are characters that have such strength uh, that. Like there is a, there is a character, one of the bad guys. This is one of my favorite panels ever in the comic book. Uh, 
it, it was like this ghost-like entity. It was kind of like the the symbiote um, venom, and it would it would merge with people. <laughs> oh, Matt calls it the symbiote. He doesn't just call it venom. He was he was being technical. There. Oh, sorry. I, I, in my head, I said venom. <laughs> to the masses, I guess I just said the symbiote. But anyway, it would like merge with people and and Savage Dragons like for lack of a better term, girlfriend, he like banged this girl overnight and then Slam the ex-boyfriend came to the apartment and was going to shoot Dragon, but Debbie Harris, his girlfriend, answered the door and he shot her in the head. Debbie Harris's mom, Mrs. Harris, oh, bad news. She joined up with the fiend, the the smoky-like entity, and the fiend- <laughs> The symbiote. And the fiend went after Savage Dragon. And I remember- because. Miss, Mrs. Harris. Debbie Harris's mom. Mrs. Harris. Mrs. Harris thought Savage Dragon was responsible. Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, he should have protected her. I don't know. She's, you know, j- just grieving in the wrong way. So she, she becomes the fiend and she attacks Savage Dragon. And there's a panel in that comic book. Do you know the one I'm talking about, Ian? I don't. And, so. and she, she grabs... This is back when he would have read the comic. This yeah. is like issue 11. I probably, he, yeah, I definitely have this, but I don't remember the this. The fiend grabs Savage Dragon by the face and digs her, like, fingers with her nails under the skin in, in his face. It's so, like, graphic and cool looking. And, but, like, you could break his skin if you were strong enough, right? So, like, if that was with her hands. So if she had a knife, of course that would cut him open. But like a gun but, wouldn't be strong but enough. Where's the knife from? I don't. I mean, think it's, it's a from special, anywhere. like special, super strong uh, blade. No. In these stories, oh, I remember. Where's the, the knife from? From their own villainous collection, man. Alien knife. Sure. Yeah. Matt, that's okay. not Matt, that's the fiend, that but that's not because the I'm, panel. On board, uh, I'm on board. I'm on board. You know. Doomsday's bone hands, they can rip Cut, Superman's skin. Exactly. But same they difference, are, man. That's alien stuff. The way this was presented earlier was like if Lobo comes into Superman's kitchen and picks up a knife, so long as he swings it hard enough, he can cut Superman's skin with an earth knife. That's the way this was presented. Earlier. Yeah, you know what? I I don't think I or Eric Larson has ever given it that level of of thought. Like, um, it, it's just like in Superman, they addressed it one time in Superman, Superman for all seasons. How do you cut the Man of Steel? The, the Man of Steel's hair? They couldn't. The scissors broke. But every other time, he's got a perfectly neat haircut. How's he get a haircut, Paul? Was he have kryptonite scissors? He cuts his own hair. No, with, he, with what? With heat vision. With in a mirror. fucking Krypton Floby. With heat the vision in a mirror. With heat Everybody vision in a mirror. This. Get the Duh. fuck out of here, you dummy! Duh. See, like you're ruining it. You're ruining like something that doesn't need to be rationalized because you like that rationalization shit, I right? Do. It Matt, doesn't need to be. Don't think for a second yeah, that that heat vision mirror shit doesn't bother the fuck out of me. I lay awake every night. Thinking about how Superman cuts his fucking beard. That shit bothers me like a fucking maniac. Is that a thing? Is that really a thing? Yeah! Yeah! No, nothing should be able to cut his fucking hair. But come on, he's gonna melt through my mirror if he can't. Come on, Bruce Tim in the animated series. You know better! 
You know better. You're well, fucking fans, Paul Dini. You get it. I like how Paul went from yelling at me to, to Bruce Tim, who's not here. If you're listening, Bruce Tim, you fucked up even though you're not actually responsible. We need, like, even, like, sci-fi needs rules. You can suspend disbelief to a certain extent. It doesn't matter. So, no. No, it no, doesn't no, no, matter. No. Suspension of disbelief. It's not suspending disbelief. It's just rules. not worrying needs, about that it shit. It needs their own rules. It does. No, it doesn't. You're, you're taking the fun out of it. But hey, if that's what you like to do, if you like to, to, to suck the fun out of stuff, that's fine. Matt, you space doesn't make noise. But I love hearing Star Wars ships and noise and space right. make noise. Right. And I love it. I don't question it one bit. So you it's pick fun. and choose what doesn't make sense. Because in the DC universe, they contradict that. That's the problem. I've never read Savage Dragon. Maybe they don't go against any of their own rules and Savage Dragon can be cut with a butter knife. It's fine. It all makes sense. Yeah. But in the DC universe, they set it up so Superman can't be cut. His hair can't be cut. He, No one can fucking harm him, but then he's cutting his own hair. He's shaving every fucking week. How? How? You're going against your own rules. You can't break your own rules. That's my point. Superman really should look like... The hobo of steel. I don't That's know. Would I don't Paul know the happy. Savage Dragon rules. This was a fucking wild card. He pulled on me tonight. I don't know. Maybe fans, Eric Larson's all in order. Fans, you know but DC, for, DC for is calling their own dynasties over there. They have bullshit for everything. They're like Superman cuts his hair three years every five years it's a dynasty of haircutting DC runs nobody on those, knows those loosey goosey football rules but you know what kind of rules we run on the rules of man and podcasts and I think we've run a little long tonight so it's 200 we do what we want oh, I, yeah you're right that's gonna do it for us tonight my name is Paul McGinty Ian Sharpley this is Matt Casal, and thank you, everyone, for sticking with us for 200. We'll see you back here in four years for number 400. We'll do 200 more. Or we'll be back next week like we are every week. 4201. Thank you for that. Thanks, everybody. So we're going to we're going to we're going to uh play a little extra extra innings little overtime with uh episode 200
earlier in the episode, we talked about what constitutes a dynasty. Uh, we talked a little Rob Liefeld. So we decided, let's ask Rob Liefeld via Twitter what he thinks is a sports dynasty. And much to my surprise, he wrote us back. And <coughs> Rob Liefeld, creator of Deadpool. Co-host of this show. <laughs> exactly. Uh, patron saint of the McSauce podcast. Rob Liefeld says, five and ten years, Magic Kobe style, Duncan two, five and eleven. Five. See, here's here's the wild card. He used basketball rules, which we didn't really talk. We briefly touched on with the Bulls. Yeah, right. That would disqualify. That would disqualify everybody. That would disqualify the Steelers. It would disqualify the the did the the Cowboys. Did the, the Spurs? Yeah, the win? Cow- I mean, the, the Cowboys. The Cowboys in the early '90s had three and four. That's a dynasty, man. I'm sorry. Like three and four is pretty tight, and destroyed their competition. Yeah, they did. What years? And they also had to do it by contending with the 49ers in their own in their own conference. Right. 49ers so, won five over the span of what? It was eighty. Five longer to ninety four, um, something like that. I think so. And then they then they they won one in like eighty. But like the Steelers, the Steelers something? are definitely a dynasty, right? But like, yeah, they didn't win five in in ten years. Yeah, five and five and tens. <clears throat> Write them back and ask. Well, them no, if the no, Steelers- I mean they did win five and ten because or no, they no, didn't. They didn't. Win five so and ten. Tim Duncan and the Spurs, they won five and eleven. Yeah, because Duncan won. I think his rookie season in ninety well nine. So I, I think like we need we need to determine what dynasty means for the the big major league sports. Sure, maybe there are different dynasty rules. I think that there definitely have to be right for I mean like because I really think that something like three and four, three and five, something like that is a dynasty. Those are the teams of that decade. The Cowboys are the team of the nineties. The Patriots are the team of the, you know, 2010. And then they also have that, that right through this, the second decade of this century. So Paul, do we need to write him back and be like, are the Steelers <laughs> then a dynasty? So what yeah, we have Steelers to define the terms. Four and that's, five? that's the thing. Should we say? Does that apply just to basketball? Yeah, four and Steelers four and five. Uh, no, um, four and five is a dynasty. That's not. He said five he and said ten. Five and ten. Yeah, but if you do five and nine, that's also a dynasty. So if you do four and f- five, dynasty. Yeah, but if you do Anything one and one, less. the percentage is still really yeah, high. I, I I think where we're getting messed yeah, up that's, is that's, like, come on. Like Paul wants to condense the championships where we are allowing a greater amount of time if you add a few more. Right? Yeah, and I, I'm not I'm not against spreading the dynasty wealth. I I would like a defined time frame for each of the four major sports in North America. Soccer doesn't count because they barely score two goals a game, so that shit's bullshit. It's not a sport. Right. So, like, I mean, if hockey is 
four and four, four and six. That's your dynasty. Uh, you know, basketball extends to, you know, five and ten. Football is. Would you say the Patriots were two and thirteen? That is that a Patriots dynasty? I I don't remember what you said because it was nonsense. Two and thirteen. That doesn't sound like what I said one bit. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, seriously. Seriously, th- what was the what was the Patriots? I think the Patriots have. The Patriots are a special story, but I think they they won five championships since two thousand and one, and have been the in the AFC Championship game for the last six years. But do you think it would be? It, people aren't going to refer to this as the Patriots dynasty. Are they going to refer to it as the Brady years? No, they'll, they'll say Patriots dynasty. If anything, it'll probably be more what like other, the Belichick what other, dynasty. The Belichick Brady dynasty. But they're going to say, yeah. What other Because those are the only two, two... Those are the two people that have been associated right. with all of those teams. What other NFL dynasties are referred to as dynasties? Um, the I think we went over this, but the Green Bay Packers <coughs> of the 60s. How the, many and how many? I I, I think I, I don't know this, so we didn't go over this. Okay, pre- preceding the Super Bowl era, they won championships, but the they won, I think, um, they won the first two Super Bowls, and I think they include, when you think about them as a dynasty of the 60s, it includes any of the championships that they won prior to that which i don't know what that is um so they won a couple football league dynasties and then they won a couple super bowls yeah they they won a couple nfl championships okay and then they won the first two super bowls and then steelers and then steelers but steelers of the 70s but then also the cowboys won um Nine, the, the Cowboys. The Cowboys won a couple America's of seventies. The, the Raiders won. The Packers, I think, three in like seven or something like that. The Packers when? won championships in the seventies into the eighties. Packers won championships in '65, uh, the year before Super Bowls. Then they won the first two Super Bowls, so they won three championships in three years. There, um, they have a total of thirteen championships, including Super Bowls. Right. Um, in the 80s, mostly the 49ers, but also a little bit of, I think, towards the end there, the Redskins won three in like four years or something. Or so, Was it three and four or three in like six? Somewhere around there. The Redskins uh, had that three I don't Super know. Bowls. Uh, and then you get into the 90s where it's the, uh, the Cowboys winning those Super Bowls. Right. And Denver had the back-to-back, but I don't think Denver was a die. Like back-to-back in football is a tough feat but it still isn't a dynasty um so yeah what we're gonna have to do is we're gonna sit down we're gonna have to have some kind of hard and fast rules we're gonna have to run down the dynasties maybe we can even ask some other fellow sports fans like rob liefeld what their thoughts are on our sports dynasty stuff i think that works i i think we definitely need to uh differentiate between sports because based on his rules then what's there a, are no dynasties outside of the Patriots wait, based, based on whose rules we haven't mine? even talked about oh, wait, based, a sport? based on whose rules mine Liefeld's well these he was talking basketball dynasty but I was talking hockey dynasty yeah I so know we've clearly got defined dynasty rules what's a oh okay what's a comic dynasty a hundred books does the Bendis Bagley ultimate spider-man run is that a 
comic book dynasty what are the Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale color books a dynasty? Well, that those were all broken up, right? They were, yeah, they were broken. They were broken up. Uh, does it have to be in a row? Do the Snyder Capullo Batmans? I don't know. Are those a dynasty? Fifty issues. Are the creative team of Jeff Johns, Ethan Van Skyver, who even though Van Skyver didn't do a lot of the art, he piloted the creative on Green Lantern for a long time. Is that How dynasty about the team? Mark, Mark Millar, Brian Hitch, Ultimates, which was borrowed heavily from the you know the Marvel universe as we know it on screen borrows a lot from that franchise so I think that that would be a comic book dynasty that's what we should do we should do comic book dynasties what a great topic who uh, what was the uh, the Fantastic Four uh, was that uh, Lee and Kirby the Lee and Kirby plus did a bunch episodes of, on Fantastic yeah. Four but and then um, didn't John did John Byrne write and also, because he did a long stint on Fantastic Four, right? Did he? I don't know. Oh. The would, would Claremont Lee be X Men Dynasty? Uh, I don't. I don't know because they actually they like they weren't on it for that long together. Like Claremont and Lee on Uncanny, two years. I like. I know that's. I mean, that's twenty four issues. That's not all that long. No, dynasties need to be special. You can't be rolling out loosey goosey <laughs> Patriots. Two and bullshit. thirteen like the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> Would like to thank uh McSauce uh co co host Rob Liefeld for weighing in tonight. Uh, Thanks, Rob. This was a lot Rob. of fun. I think we've probably inspired our next episode of Comic Book Dynasties here tonight on episode two hundred. Thanks again to everybody for weighing in, giving us topics, for listening, downloading, uh, interacting with us. Uh, it, it means a lot. This is really fun for us, and it wouldn't be nearly as much fun without everybody else weighing in and coming along with us on the ride. So thanks for 200 episodes, everybody. Yeah, we, we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for the fan interaction, the passion on the people that listen to what we put out there, enjoy what we do, have an opinion and, and really care and take time out of their days to comment, to text us back, to call us, to talk to us in person about the stupid stuff that we talk about every Monday night. So thank you again. Yeah, what those guys said, I, I can't, there's nothing else to add. I agree. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.